Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And there are mistakes that everyone, myself included, have made with their finances. I don't know of a single person who can look at their financial situation and say, I did everything perfectly. Now, that's just going to be the reality that we all make mistakes. But what I hate to see is I hate seeing mistakes that are avoidable or mistakes that need not be made had we simply had the right information. So while there will always be mistakes and there will always be things we could have done better, I want to focus on the low-hanging fruit. What are some of those mistakes where people just had more information, they probably could have avoided them. So today what we're going to be talking about is the top five most avoidable retirement mistakes, at least as I see them, so that you can apply this information to your finances and just see, is this something that I'm doing correctly or could I take a deeper look at this in any of these areas we're going to talk about? Real quick, though, before we jump in, I do want to highlight a recent review. Sometimes I like doing this just to say thank you. Thank you for everyone that has left a review. And this one comes from a username is nannygoat7373, and the title is Don't Waste Time Elsewhere. The review then goes on to say, just started listening, and wow, I feel like I have wasted hours elsewhere and learned only a fraction of what I have in only a couple episodes here. Super practical and tangible advice. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for that review. That means a lot. And again, if you are listening and enjoying the show, please be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find it. I selfishly love getting to read them. So thank you for those of you who have left a review. And if you haven't yet, please just take a second and do so. It would mean a lot. Let's now get into the episode. So what are the top five most avoidable retirement mistakes that people make? Well, number one is spending the wrong amount. And that sounds obvious. People say, yeah, well, of course, you don't want to spend too much in retirement. Of course, that's an avoidable mistake. But how do we get around it? Well, that's only one side of the coin. Spending the wrong amount could be too much, but spending the wrong amount could also be too little. So let's explore that. If you spend too much, that's pretty straightforward. We all know the risks of that. If you're spending too much money, you draw down your portfolio too quickly, or you're spending money that you don't have you're just not going to have a portfolio or an income plan that's going to be sustainable throughout retirement, which means you're having to make difficult decisions of where do you cut back? Do you need to go back to work? Do you need to be dependent upon others, family, friends for support? So the risks of spending too much, those are pretty clear. What I see though, far more often than I see people spending too much, and of course, this is just a factor of some of the people that are coming to me, but many times I see people spending too little meaning there are certainly times where I need to tell clients that they you probably should be spending less. Otherwise, there's going to be difficult decisions in the future. But I would say that for every time I have to do that, there's probably 10 times or more that I'm telling clients to spend more money. Why do I say that? Well, in retirement, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how much you'll be able to spend. And the reason for that is we don't know what the market's going to do. We don't know if it's going to go up or down. We don't know what inflation is going to do. We don't know what our living expenses are going to do. We don't know about those unexpected events that are going to happen. And so our fear of running out of money and our fear of becoming a burden on family or having to, to, to lean on others to support us in retirement, that fear is strong. And that's a fear that we feel today. So what many people do is when they're in retirement, they're no longer collecting a paycheck. They're now living off of their portfolio or other income sources. There's this tendency to not spend enough. 
Because for a lot of people, it is so difficult to know exactly how much they can sustainably spend. They err on the side of being too conservative and spend too little. And now while being frugal and being wise with their money, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It is a bad thing if it's causing you to miss out on some of the things you've worked so hard for and saved so long for in retirement. If you're cutting back and not taking the trips you want to take, or if you're cutting back and not able to do the things with family that you want to do, or if you're cutting back and not able to give or support people like you want to be able to give and support people, well, that is also a problem. Now, like I said, the fear of running out of money is strong, and that's a fear that most retirees feel today. It's probably the biggest fear of, am I going to run out of money? What they don't fear today is that fear of regret, but it's that regret that's going to kick in later. If you go through retirement and you meet all of your living expenses and you realize, man, I still have a lot of money left in my portfolio, that's where the regret's going to set in of what could I have done with this? Yes, maybe it's great. I can leave this money to family. I can leave this money to charity, but what could I have done while I was here? What could I have done when I still had my health and my energy, my vitality? Now, what I like to do with clients to avoid this risk is calculate what is the upper threshold of how much you can spend. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the stock market next year. We don't know what's going to happen with inflation. We don't know what surprise expenses are going to come up. But what we can do is we can build a portfolio and we can build it, understanding that there will need to be adjustments made. But based upon how things stand today, what is the most that you can look to spend without running the risk of running into money too early? Now, why that helps is when we have an upper boundary or an upper ceiling on how much we can spend, then you can make the decision of, okay, if I'm not spending that much, is it because I'm sacrificing things I really want to do and I, I run the risk of regret kicking in at a later time? Or am I able to spend less than my portfolio could actually support, but I'm perfectly content. I'm taking the trips I want to take. I'm doing the things I want to do. I'm spending money on the things I want to spend money on. And I don't want to be reckless about this and just spend to spend, but I do feel like I'm spending the right amount. Those are two very different scenarios. This isn't to say you have to spend every last penny of what you're able to, but you want to make sure that you're spending enough to be able to do everything you want to do without spending so much that it risks your ability to continue doing those things later on in retirement. So what are your action steps if you're listening to this? Well, go back and listen to episode number 27. In episode number 27, I outlined the approach that I like to use with clients that really tells them how much can you sustainably spend throughout retirement without running that risk or with really severely mitigating the risk of running out of money. But then also listen to episode number 64. Episode 64 talks about the mindset shift that we need to make in retirement. So often the people that have had success in saving and investing have done so because there's a mindset they've taken of being frugal, of living within their means, and not spending on things they want to spend on, which can be healthy, but taken to the extreme can also be unhealthy. And so sometimes even when financially we know we can spend more, from the mindset side of things, or the emotional side of things, or just the habits and the identity that's ingrained inside of us, we struggle to do so. So episode 27 talks about financially, how can you understand exactly how much you can spend? But then episode 64 talks about what mindset shift you need to be able to make in order to give yourself permission to actually spend that money. The second avoidable mistake that I see people making is retiring at the wrong time. And when I say that, I don't mean retiring in the 2008 type market happens. That's not an avoidable mistake. It's not like people who retired in 2007 knew that 2008 was going to happen the next year. That's just unfortunate timing. And that's just the reality of the stock market of we cannot predict it. What I mean by retiring at the wrong time is much like number one, where people spend the wrong amount, retiring at the wrong time is when people retire earlier or later than they should based upon their plan. So similar to my previous point, if you retire too early, the risks of that are pretty evident. 
you haven't built up enough money in your portfolio, or you haven't worked long enough to maximize your social security benefit, or you haven't put enough time in to be able to really generate the amount of income that you want to generate throughout retirement. That risk, we all know how that plays out. You retire, you maybe have a great time for the first several years of retirement, but then you're really struggling in your late 70s, 80s, and beyond. That's clearly not the position you want to be in. Now, here's the thing. Let's say you're listening to this and you're like, ah, James, I know I don't want to retire too early, but I just hate my job. I'm miserable, whatever it might be. Don't want to discount that at all. But when I look at financial planning with clients, when we go through the projections and and do some what if scenarios, so what if you spend more or less? What if you work another year or another six months or another two years or retire early? You would not believe how impactful those extra years of work are when you're looking to retire. For example, if someone wants to look at retiring at 64 versus 65, you look at them and you go, okay, that, that's one year difference. What What extra impact could it make? Well, it makes a huge extra impact because that extra 12 months of working, that's one year of putting money into a 401k or Roth IRA. That's one more year of your portfolio compounding. You know, I'm assuming the, the market's advancing, but if the market goes up, that's one more year of your money compounding before it starts needing to generate income for you. It's maybe one more year of you increasing your social security benefit. Oftentimes, if you're going to retire and not collect social security until later date, well, those first few years of retirement are the most expensive from the standpoint of those are the years that require you to pull money from your portfolio the soonest. And for example, if you want to collect social security at 67 and you're debating between retiring at 64 and 65, it seems like just a little difference. But those three years between 64 and 65, those are the years that would require the most to be pulled out of your portfolio. So even just working one more year, well, that reduces the number of the most expensive portfolio years measured by the impact on your portfolio by a third. So yes, it's just one year, but it has a third reduction or it reduces the amount you need to pull from your portfolio by a third because there's one more year of income coming in from work, which decreases the amount you need to pull from your portfolio. So for these reasons and many, many more, sometimes one extra year of work, even when work seems like the most miserable thing and you can't see yourself doing it, sometimes when you see the financial impact that it has, it makes work a lot more tenable. So as with anything, there needs to be balance here. Yes, you want to make sure that you're working long enough or you're doing the right things, but there's just a trade-off. If you say, look, I'm just done with work and I want to retire early, well, great, but just understand the trade-offs involved with that. How much of a reduction are you willing to accept versus how much longer are you willing to work? in order to have more money, more income, more assets in retirement to support your desired retirement goal. Now, retiring early is definitely a big avoidable mistake. When people just knew these numbers sometimes, I think it would impact their decisions on when to retire, when not to retire. But the other side of retiring at the wrong time is people working too long. Again, that fear kicks in and that fear of, am I going to run out of money? And if there's not a plan in place, we tend to err on the side of being conservative and working too long and saving too much and doing a lot more than you need to do. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing on paper, it is a bad thing when you consider the trade-offs of what did you sacrifice to do that? Now, if you worked longer than you needed to, but you were still able to take the trips you want to take, be with family, do the things that you enjoy doing, no problem at all with that. But if you're working and work is holding you back from what actually aligns with your best version for the life that you want to live, then you are doing it wrong you are missing out on the opportunities that we're ultimately working and saving and investing for. So just as some people retire too early, other people retire too late. And in retiring too late, it prevents them from being able to do the things they want to do. So what's too early and what's too late? Well, it totally depends. For someone, age 55 could be too late if they have the means and if work is holding them back from doing the things they want to do. 
For others, though, retiring at age 68 could be far too early if they don't have the means of supporting themselves for another 20 plus years. So this is where having a plan in place allows you to see based upon where you are, based upon your assets, your income sources, your desired living expenses, what can your portfolio generate or what can your financial plan generate? And is that enough to keep up with your living expenses? If so, then you're in a position where you can give yourself permission to retire. If not, then you need to understand and need to calculate what's needed in terms of more years of work or more savings or more investments in order to be able to get there. The third type of avoidable risk that I see is when people only focus on one type of investment risk. And I say this is avoidable because so often, if I was to ask you, what's the biggest risk in retirement, what would you say? Well, if you're like most people, you might not be saying it. Probably the first thing that comes to mind is the stock market and horrible flashbacks of what the TV channels looked like when the news looked like when 2008 was happening and red numbers all over and panic and drops and these graphs that didn't look like they're going the right direction. That to most people is the biggest risk in retirement. Now, I'm not discounting that risk. That is a tremendous risk in retirement, but it's only one type of risk. And when people focus so much on that, they make the mistake because there's other risks that also exist and by being too focused on protecting against that risk, it leaves them exposed to others. So what are the three big risks? Well, the first one is that stock market risk. Now, if you've done your reading or your homework, you might say, well, James, it's called sequence of return risk. And that's exactly what it is. Of what if you retire and the market's down and you have to pull money out of your portfolio and your portfolio's down? That's not a good formula for success long-term. You don't want to have to sell things that are down because then it's compounding the negative impact of that negative stock market event. So people realize this and people say, okay, well, I'm going to retire and I'm going to make my portfolio very conservative. Because when my portfolio is very conservative, then I don't have to worry about the stock market falling. And I don't have to worry about potentially having a 30%, 40%, 50% reduction in my portfolio value because I'm going to be conservative enough to protect against that risk. And people do this far too often. And what happens is, yes, they're protected against that one risk, but then they open themselves up to another risk. And the second big risk is the risk of inflation. And really, the way that translates to us individually is the erosion of our purchasing power. So it's not just the value of our account that we're concerned about. What we should be really concerned about is how do we maintain our purchasing power throughout retirement? And to give an example, if you retire at age 60, and if you want to live on $100,000 per year, that might work at age 60. But by the time that you're age 90, if you still want to be able to spend $100,000 per year or have the purchasing power that $100,000 per year has at age 60, you would need close to $250,000 to be able to do that. That's simply showing a 3% inflation rate on expenses carried out over 30 years. Now, in other episodes, we talked about how much do people actually spend in retirement. And what we found is living expenses don't tend to rise step for step with inflation. Usually they increase a little bit less than inflation. So if inflation is actually 3%, probably our living expenses don't quite keep up with that. But the same principle applies is our living expenses absolutely will go up over time. And if we're not investing in a way to keep up with that, we're at significant risk. So going back to the first point, if I see people retire and people are too conservative because they say, oh, I'm retired now. I need to protect against the stock market. I can't afford a big downturn. To one extent, they're right. But what they've done by protecting against that risk is they've exposed themselves to an even bigger risk, which is inflation risk and the loss of purchasing power over time. So the key is to have a portfolio and a strategy that protects against sequence of return risk and protects against downturns in the stock market by having a certain amount that's in cash or bonds or some other conservative investment that you can live on while the market is going down. 
But the other part of your portfolio needs to be invested in things that grow over time because it's those things that grow over time that's going to offset inflation risk. And then the third risk has nothing to do with the stock market, has nothing to do with investments. It has everything to do with ourselves. Oftentimes we are our own worst enemies. And as much as we like to think that we make only rational decisions, we make very emotional decisions with our money and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Buying something because we're chasing what's hot, selling something because it's down and it's scary, doing dumb things with our money. This is another risk and it has nothing to do with what the stock market's doing. It has nothing to do with inflation. It has to do with the emotions we all have within ourselves and the decisions we make because of that. So how can we protect against the stock market risk? How can we protect against inflation risk? But how can we also create guardrails around our own actions so that we don't do anything to derail our plan over time? So this is an avoidable mistake because if people just saw these different risks in the big picture, they often say, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But until you can look at this, we tend to be too focused on what's right in front of us and the risk right in front of us is the stock market. It's not inflation. That takes years to play out sometimes. It's not our own behavioral mistakes because we all think we're logical. We don't think we make dumb mistakes. So if we can pull ourselves up, look at stock market risk and inflation risk and behavioral risk, in most cases, we'll be much better off for doing so. The fourth mistake that I see people make, avoidable mistake that I see people make in retirement is providing too much support for adult children. And a lot of people don't like to hear this, but unfortunately, it's the reality. This is typically how the conversation goes. It's clients don't call me and say, hey, James, I want to provide too much support for my adult children. They disguise it. And this is what they do. They say, hey, James, I want to pull some funds out of my portfolio to invest in real estate. Great. I say, wonderful. Let's let's talk this through to see how to best do that. Where do you want to buy? And they name a place. I say, oh, great. I love that area. How much will that cost? They name a price. Okay, great. So if it costs this much, that will lead to a total monthly payment of X number of dollars. If we look at a mortgage and interest and property taxes and insurance maintenance cost, it's okay. Here's the total cost that we need to be able to plan for if you buy this. How much do you think you could rent this house for? And they say, oh, rent it? Well, we wouldn't rent it out. We want our children to be able to live there. And then it hits me and I say, okay, this is not really an investment. What you're doing is buying a home that your children can live in rent-free as a way of supporting them, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with that if you can afford it. If you can afford for that portion of your portfolio to essentially be taken out and be doing something that's not productive, because if you're not receiving rent on that, then it just becomes another expense or another liability. You can't really think of this as an investment. And if you have the means of doing that, then wonderful. But let's not disguise support for adult children as an investment. Let's just call it what it is. And then we can make the distinction of, is this doable or not? And for many clients, they say, yes, this is wonderful. Even if you're not able to get a good return on investment on this, not everything in life is about getting a good return. It's about, are we aligning our money with our values, with what we want to see, with what a successful outcome looks like for us? And if you have the means to do so and to support adult children, and it doesn't impact your ability to do what you want to do, then that's great. But too often, people justify these types of things to themselves. I'm saying, oh, this is an investment and this will pay off. But really, it's just support for adult children. And they end up sacrificing their own standard of living. They, they sacrifice what they can do. And the ironic thing is if you sacrifice too much of what you're doing today to support them, well, you're going to have to ask them to return the favor in a few years down the road. And for most people, that's not something they want to do. So if you're doing too much to support adult children, it's going to degrade your standard of living throughout retirement if you can't afford it. And you may run the risk of having to ask them to return the favor once you've run out of money or once your portfolio is not in a position that it needs to be to keep doing what you want to do.
And then finally, the fifth avoidable mistake that I see people make in retirement is simply not having a strategy. And this blows my mind. And now, of course, this is because I'm a planner and this is what I do for a living. But people spend so many years saving to their 401k and saving to their investment accounts and building up their social security benefit. And how many countless thousands and thousands of hours have you put into your career in order to be able to do all this? They won't spend an hour or two creating a financial strategy for retirement. So maybe people have enough in investments, but they never took the time to put together a tax-efficient withdrawal strategy. So yes, they have the investments, but they end up with less of those investments than they would have because they're not pulling them out in a tax-efficient way. Or maybe people have a pension through their, their career, but they choose the option that end up generating a lot less in lifetime benefits when presented with the annuity versus the lump sum rollover versus everything in between. Or maybe you're in the fund that's the lowest cost, lowest internal expense ratio fund in the world, and it's great, but it's the absolute wrong fund for your portfolio. So whatever it is, people tend to look at these things on a one-off basis. And if there's not an overarching strategy that pulls everything together, chances are there's something that's being missed. And while we all want to build up more assets and more income and more investment value, the reality is the more success we have, the more complexities introduced to our plan, the more complexity we have, the more critical gaps that tend to exist. And if there's not a strategy to pull it all together, you're likely leaving money on the table. So this is why I'm in the industry that I'm in. I want to help people create that secure retirement because they put in too many hours, too many years, sacrifice far too much to have anything less than the absolute best possible retirement that their portfolio and their income sources can create for them. So if you need any help with this, reach out to a financial planner, reach out to me. You can find our services by going to rootfinancialpartners.com. That's our website that shows how we do this with people. But make sure that you have a strategy, because if you're going into retirement without a strategy, if you're going into it without a plan, you're going to be leaving money on the table. So that is it for today's episode. As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, check us out on YouTube. The channel is under Root Financial Partners and leave a review for the podcast if you're enjoying the show as well. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.